Because on that, see they could live. Okay, so while they were gone, Jesus is at this well all by himself, just hanging out. He doesn't have anything to draw with. He's just just sitting there relaxing, you know, a little tired from the journey and that. So he's hanging out. The disciples are gone. All of a sudden, this unsuspecting lady shows up. This woman, this Samaritan woman, she shows up and and he asks her a question. He says, hey, can, can you draw some water for me? And first she starts getting all religious thinking about, I mean, she obviously, from different things she says, she had a religious background, but she didn't have a personal relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords at that time. I think she found it by the end of the day. I think she did, but right then she didn't. So she says, well, how you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? Because you guys don't associate with us. You don't have anything to do with us. That's, that's why we're talking about, like, our church is a rise church international. We, we love all the nations, all peoples. We believe that Jesus came for everyone, not just for any one group of people or style of people. So, so he says, he, he turns it around. First, she goes, well, you know, how can you ask me for a drink? Because you guys don't associate with us. You guys think we're terrible. And he says, well, you know what? If you knew who it was who asked you for a drink, you would have asked him for a drink instead because he'd give you rivers of living water that you'd never be thirsty again. And, you know, they go on this dialogue back and forth. <clears throat> and then he, he, he throws something out. He already, like I said, he knows everything. But he kind of throws this little tidbit out there. He says, hey, go ahead and, um, you know, I can set you up with this living water he says go go get your husband bring him she goes um i don't have a husband he goes you're right when you say you don't have a husband you've had five husbands and the man that you're with now is not your husband so what you say is absolutely correct she didn't tell him that he didn't ask a, take a census on this lady or anything like that he knew And she gets excited then. All of a sudden, she's unsuspecting. She went to the well because she goes to the well every day or every other day and draws water to supply her, her family, probably their animals, whatever, with water. So she's unsuspecting. She's just coming doing what I do every single day. And all of a sudden, this guy turns my life around. He turns me upside down by saying, hey, points out something that he had no way of knowing except because of who he is. So she gets excited. She leaves her water jar there. Now, she, you know, that's her lifeline. She leaves it there. She runs back to her village. She tells her people, I don't know if it was her family or friends or what, but she tells people that she runs in contact with there at the village that, hey, come and see this guy who has told me everything I've ever done. And, and they do. These, you know, they're like, wow, okay, this guy must be some kind of prophet or something. Let's go check it out. So they go. And they start talking to Jesus, and they beg him, stay longer with us. And he stays two extra days there. He actually, Jesus loves everyone. 
God desires, the Bible says that God desires that none should perish, but that all should have eternal life. He knows what we need, when we need it. He knows where our hearts are. He knows what can break that heart, what can soften that heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh or a heart of clay. This was the thing. This was the moment. This lady runs home, tells these people, hey, come see a man that has told me everything I've ever done. They go, some more uns- they're, they're suspecting more than she is. She was really unsuspecting. They, they know something's up. And now they want to search and find because they're religious people. They love the Lord, but they don't understand the heart of the law. They don't understand really all about the Messiah and how things work in it, but they know who he is. They don't know it's him, but they know that there is a Messiah. So they run, and they, and they beg him to stay to stay with them. So he stays two extra days. When it was all said and done, I love this part. In fact, I think I'm going to just read this part because I think it's it's really cool. After all is said and done here. It says, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Then these folks say to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Not just that he's a good guy, not just that he's a prophet, but we now know that this man really is the Savior of the world. God took an unsuspecting lady that had no clue. Hey, I'm just going to do what I do every day. I'm going to get some water. And all of a sudden, Jesus was in control. Not forcing her to do anything, just laying it out there. If you knew who it was who was speaking to you, you would ask him. She says this one comment here. She says, okay, she says, sir, again, being religious, she says, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain in Samaria, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, not on this mountain, nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation comes from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I am. I who speak to you am he. And that's when she ran home and told everybody, hey, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. 
he opened up that door because he loved the Samaritans just as much as he loved the Jews, just as much as he loved us or anybody else. Again, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God says, I desire that none should perish, but that all should have eternal life. The sad part about that is God wants us to love him and worship him in spirit and truth because we want to do it. God's not going to make us robots. He doesn't work his little radio control dipstick there and tell us what to do and what how to do it and all that. And there's going to be many people that are going to die and end up in the lake of fire because they chose not to receive that free gift. It was, it's a free gift to us. All we got to do is, is receive it. It cost Jesus everything. It cost God, his one and only son, to die on a cross and to suffer all those things so that we could have eternal life. So it cost him everything. It cost us nothing. But it's just like getting a, a gift at Christmas time. That gift can look beautiful under the tree. It can be all wrapped up, pretty, nice bow on it and all that. But if we never rip the paper off of that present, the present's really worthless. It may look great. Salvation looks great. But if we don't receive that gift, it's useless to us. We're, gonna, we're all going to die sometime. Unless the Lord returns first, then, then things will be a little bit different for those folks when he returns. But in the end, you're either going to live forever spiritually. Your, your soul is going to live forever either in heaven, in the, in the presence of the Lord, or in the lake of fire. I don't know exactly how either one looks 100% because I haven't been... The one place I don't ever want to go... And the other place I want to go, but I haven't been there yet. But I do know that the Bible makes it clear that eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor mind can even fathom what God has in store for those that love him. So we, that's exciting. That's, that's our blessed hope, the Bible says. The good news that we are going to spend eternity with him when the, when the rapture comes okay the word rapture is not in the bible but the catching away of the saints when the trumpet sounds the dead in christ will rise first and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the lord in the air and so shall we be forever with the lord and like i said i don't know exactly how all that's going to look like but it's going to be good that's where i want to be i want to spend eternity with the king of kings and lord of lords and the bottom line is when he sees us Face to face, he's going to say one of two things. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my rest. Or he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. I do, I do, option B is not even an option to me. That's just no good. There's, there's one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me, Jesus said. There's a lot of religions out there. There's a lot of beliefs. There's a lot of people that think that there's many roads that go to heaven, but there's not. There's one way to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Christianity may look, churches may look in a lot of different forms, and that's okay. 
There's a lot of ways that we can worship God, but he wants us to worship him in spirit and truth. It's all, it's a heart issue. It's what's your heart when you're worshiping the Lord. That's what counts. It's not the kind of music you play, whether they're old hymns or whether they're new choruses or, you know, whether you have instruments at all or whether you have a ton of instruments. That's, that's not what makes it. It's right here is what makes it. What's in your heart? We need to worship him in spirit and truth. I want to read to you today. I want to talk to you about another unsuspecting person. <clears throat> this is pretty cool. In Acts chapter 3, starting at verse 1, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. So they may have even been unsuspecting people. I mean, they were just going. That's what they did every day. Their tradition was at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, everybody went to the temple courts and prayed. Here's another unsuspecting person. Verse 2, Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. So Peter and John may have been unsuspecting souls, this guy is an unsuspecting soul. They're, they're doing what they do every day. Peter and John are going to pray. This guy is set there every day. He can't walk. He's crippled. So people set him there every day because he can't work a job. So that's his job is, is begging from the people going into the temple courts, asking alms. At least he has an excuse to be um, begging money. Verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave, him, gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Again, this brother is unsuspecting. He has no clue what he's going to get here in the next few seconds. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. So, he didn't just take advantage of the people. He didn't just say, hey, okay, hey, man, thanks a bunch. Now I'm going to sit back down here and I'm going to keep clicking my, um, clicking my can, hoping people will put more money in it. He was excited, man. He, he, this guy's 40 years old. And all of a sudden, now he can walk. Shazam. You know, just like that. He's like, wow, this is great. So he goes into the temple courts and he's walking and leaping and praising God. He's excited. He's not like, oh, no, man, hey, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, I'm going to sit back down here, you know, and keep clanking my jars so I can get some free money, you know. He's like, he's, he's, he's all in. He's all in. He's excited, very excited. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. 
While the, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had helped, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though Pilate had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be released unto you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that the Christ would suffer. Repent then, turn to God, so that all your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he has promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among his own, your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among the people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant of God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. See, it's not just the Jews will be blessed, but everybody will be blessed through Abraham's seed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Talking about the Jews. Think about this. This man was unsuspecting. He, he thought he was, just, he was just there at the gate beautiful like every other day, just trying to make a living, trying to get some money from people, begging off of people. Peter and John, I don't know if they knew in advance or not, but they were just coming in, doing what they do every day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and they see this guy, and they say, they look right at him say, hey, look at us. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. After this, this guy, he's walking and leaping, jumping and praising God. He goes in with them, and all of a sudden everybody is watching. They all recognize this guy as being the guy who's sat out there for the last 40 years, not being able to walk. 
Now all of a sudden, this guy's walking. What's up with that? And Peter and John get a chance to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with this with these with this whole group of people that are there amazed. They're like, "Why are you amazed? Like this is like we're anything special." They're like, "We're nothing. We just let the Lord use us." The same Christ that you crucified, he's the one who did this. Now repent. Now you know the truth. Now repent and turn. Because we know what you did, you did in ignorance. Now change. Thank God that God loves us so much that no matter how bad we are, think about the Apostle Paul. He was an unsuspecting soul. He was out, he was his job, he was going out to kill Christians, to arrest them and to kill them. And all of a sudden he sees a bright light and he is literally knocked off his high horse. He falls off his horse, sees this bright light, hears a voice. And, he's, and he says, Lord, who is this? And Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Why, why do you kick against the goats? Why are you persecuting me, Saul? And Paul became one of the greatest apostles that ever lived. He, he wrote a great deal of the New Testament. God used a killer of Christians to write a good part of the New Testament and to bring many, many people, especially Gentiles, to know him as Lord and Savior. I'm sure if we honestly look at our lives, we can all think of times where we were unsuspecting and God allowed something to happen. Like I said, it could be good, could be bad. But that God used to change our lives forever. Maybe, maybe it's coming here today. Maybe you came here, and I don't know what brought you here. If you saw an ad in the uh, in the paper, if you saw one of the flyers we handed out, if you saw looked us up on the internet, but something brought you here today. All of you. Something or someone brought you here today, and it really wasn't just a chance by chance. It was the Holy Spirit drew you for such a time as this. And that makes me excited because he cares about us. He loves us all. And we can do so much if we just say, God, here I am, use me. I want to pray and... uh, I'd like to just play a couple songs after after I pray here. I'll probably just play some stuff on the piano. Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, thank you that you, many times, we're unsuspecting souls, Lord. We're just people doing whatever we do. And somehow you turn things around for your honor and glory. We love you, Lord. Lord, I pray for each and every one in these seats today. Lord, you know the hearts. You know the needs. You know our physical needs. You know our spiritual needs. You know our financial needs. Lord, I thank you for everyone that's here. Because everyone's here for a reason. Lord, touch each and every one where they need to be touched. Lord, touch me where I need to be touched. Lord, I want to be more like you. 
I want to have my heart open to you. I want you to change my life. And I pray that you change each and everyone's life here, Lord. You know what we need even before we ask. And I pray that you would give us the desires of your heart, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.